Hey y'all, my name is Tim Yoon, and I want to encourage you to use technology to help others. Um, it's been something that I've had the opportunity to do over the last 10 years, and I've been able to do everything from helping um, the local food bank be able to show people where food pantries are located through an online tool. Um, I've even been able to help some of my family and friends um, better get access to healthcare. And so, it may sound a little scary, it may sound uh, very frightening, but even through something as simple as your phone um, or using your computer, you can actually make a great difference in people's lives. Hello and welcome to the Civic Hacker Podcast. I'm your host, Laurie McNeil, founding director of the Civic Hacker Network and the Civic Hacker Summit. Our mission is to support people who use data and technology to make a positive impact in their communities. We do this by equipping and empowering people to move their change-making projects forward. We also amplify the work our membership is doing by providing a platform through which civic hackers can publicize their projects, collaborate, and get the resources and support they need. Right now in the U.S., we are deep into the holiday season between Thanksgiving and Christmas. This is one of the times of year that the issue of food insecurity is really brought into focus in the U.S. with increased requests for donations of meals or funds to provide meals. And also we see a lot of canned food drives. Between the holidays and the tax code-driven habit of making a big push for charitable gifts prior to the end of the calendar year, we see a lot of appeals for aid to families and children supported by really dismal statistics describing poverty and hunger in our own communities at levels that many of us were not even aware of. Pre-COVID, there was already an urgent need to bridge the gap between families' needs for nutritious food and the massive quantities of food wasted or lost around the world each year. Addressing this issue is part of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Today, even more people are struggling to access the food they need, and there are so many ways that tech can and is being used to reduce the harm caused by food insecurity. In this episode, you're going to hear about one of my favorite examples of this. It's the story behind the online food pantry mapping tool for the Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services organization. And you're gonna hear it from the perspective of one of the volunteer civic hackers who helped bring that mapping tool to life three years ago. His name is Tim Yoon, and at the time of the interview, he was participating in the Code for Sacramento Civic Tech Group. Tim and I connected to create one of the sessions in the Civic Tech Group's showcase track of the Civic Hacker Summit. The story behind his project is an unglamorous and informative tale of impact about something that actually started as a winning entry in the 2016 National Day of Civic Hacking event. In this conversation, Tim keeps it real and provides some great insights about working with busy agencies the importance of building trust as you engage in these types of collaborations, and resisting the urge to go overboard on the tech part of civic tech. Stick around after the interview to find out a little more about one of the funding programs Tim mentioned. And also, I'll let you know about where you can access a video clip of Tim's demo. 
Enjoy the conversation. Tim Yoon, National Day of Civic Hacking Food and Security Challenge winner. Tim Yoon loves using technology to help others with his background in civic tech and public health initiatives. Last year, Tim was part of a team that won the Sacramento Division of the National Day of Civic Hacking, a civic hackathon held nationwide dedicated to addressing local city issues. As a result, their team is currently implementing an online food pantry mapping tool for the Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services Organization. Tim's efforts in this space also led him to be invited as a panelist to the 2016 White House Open Data Innovation Summit, a conference that highlighted the Obama administration's work in actively providing U.S. government data to the public. With that, we are going to be talking to Tim. All right. Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank you so much for um, joining us. Um, How was it participating in the White House Open Data Innovation Summit? It was a fantastic opportunity. Um, I have always been interested in civic tech world, um, but to actually be able to go face to face with some of the premier leaders, um, the U.S. CIOs and CTOs who have read their books about and now I'm speaking in front of them, um, it was uh, definitely a dream come true. It was really exciting to hear so many people nationwide really wanted to using their skills to help others. Okay, well, um, tell us about your your winning team and you know the winning project. So, who who did you work with um, at the time? What were kind of the skills involved, and what was your approach during that hackathon? Yeah, so that whole day was quite exciting. Um, so, there were actually just random people who were there um, that day in um, Sacramento. And the way that it worked was that in the beginning, we had different experts from different areas of government basically come in and talk about um, different needs that they had. And so one of the folks who was there invited was someone named Jackie Richardson, who was from the California Department of Health. And she was actually describing how in the Sacramento County area, 16% um, of Sacramento residents are considered food insecure, um, so that they have lack of access to healthy food and slash or they're also surrounded by lots of unhealthy food options. Um, So that's around 240,000 of our neighbors. And what ended up happening was that um, up to about that lunch period during that day, uh, a few of us just happened to be interested in this topic of food insecurity. And so as we continued to listen to her, one of the things that came out was this idea of how do we help spread knowledge of where to actually get healthy food or food at all Um, for those who need it in the Sacramento County area. And so uh, after lunch, um, we kind of brainstormed together and tried to see what might be an idea. And this idea of mapping um, the actual food pantry locations, um, not only by uh, geographically, but also by time, um, would be a way that we could better understand um, which areas of Sacramento are actually uh, better being uh, hit or available um, with food um, at certain times of the week and which ones maybe aren't so much. And the hope was that by the end of this, um, this could be something that we could provide to the local food bank executives to help better inform their decisions about uh, possibly where to actually distribute the food or maybe where they should um, try to have more partners to be able to address a certain area. So that's basically how the project came to fruition for us. Okay, and then um, so the you know in the process of building, like what got done 
you know, within that time frame. Right. Um, how difficult uh, was that? <laughs> you know, in terms of you know, having the needed data, or I guess the the how was how were you prepared? Like, what were you provided with um, yes. to get started? So uh, I will be honest, not many of us were actually coders. <laughs> we weren't exactly the most savvy technologists around. Uh, for example, one of our buddies, he um, does a little bit of JavaScript. Um, another one did work with GIS and mapping tools. Um, I do data analytics, but otherwise we had to um, basically use duct tape to put this together. Yeah. <laughs> so the way that is currently set up, what currently set up on the food bank website, if you want to find the nearest food pantry to you, you actually have to go on the website and download a PDF. Um, and it's a spreadsheet of about 200 or so different partners. Um, and you have to basically find yourself where that is. And so one of the things that we had to do is actually take this spreadsheet and somehow convert it into an Excel sheet um, okay. in a short amount of time. And so it was a very uh, brute forced copy pasting jobs. That we were doing. <laughs> um, we also thought that, um, one of the things that we want to show was um, usually churches, for example, are often partners um, who work with the food banks. And so what we did is we actually went online and searched up, okay, local churches in Sacramento. And we basically would save pages um, and convert those into spreadsheets. Um, now, there's actually web scraping and people who know how to do that coding. And, um, and then once we had everything in spreadsheets with the addresses and everything, then it was just mad furious typing into a Google Maps. Uh, okay. um, and that was, that was our bootleg version of it. And that's okay. actually what we ended up presenting. Um, we created different layers to be able to um, line up with, uh, for example, Monday AM. Here are all the ones that are open in this neighborhood, Monday PM. Um, so when it actually came to the presentation, um, we would actually just start clicking the different layers to either hide or unhide. Um, what was actually available during that time. Um, so I can actually just share a screen of the actual demo that we used. Yeah, that would be cool. Let's see that. All right, so what you're looking at right now is our actual demo that we showed. And uh, like I said, it's basically using Google Maps and using layers. And so we took one neighborhood, a uh, particular neighborhood, and we started to just plug in data. Um, and so, the idea was to be able to show um, for this particular area, right, on Saturday morning, these are the options available. And Saturday afternoon, maybe not so much. Um, well. And there were definitely more uh, tech-savvy <laughs> presentations actually in this area too. Like one of, the, um, one of the teams actually did a really cool heat map um, that was going about this. Um, but... Uh, when we were talking, when the judges were talking um, about their decision, they said that the time element was actually um, something that was important. And funny enough, the reason why we had a time element was because one of our team members worked for a real estate startup, and they had something called a charm index, which basically shows over time um, the charm of a neighborhood and how it's changed. Interesting. Okay. Where he just brought in that idea to what we were doing. Um, so it it was definitely a combination of things that brought it together. It was a lot. It wasn't uh, beautiful or elegant by any means, um, but it definitely brought the idea across. And because we listened to different experts in the morning and really 
tried as much as we could during a short time to better understand the idea. It definitely allowed us to create a more actionable um, product um, during that actual competition. Very cool. So when, you know, this work has continued, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, was that always, like, is that how um, the challenge was set up um, to be something that was created that would then be, um, the winner would be carried forward? Like, was that going to be a given? Well, or is there anything yeah. special about, okay. No, um, it was basically up to the discretion of the actual teams to um, pursue. Thankfully okay. in Sacramento, um, we have a group called Code for Sacramento, um, where um, folks can come together every week and discuss projects like this and find support. Um, but a lot of it was on our team. And actually what ended up happening was that um, it was myself and another teammate, Elena Dabert, um, who really took the project afterwards um, to make it into what it is today, um, working with the food bank. So that was also a different process um, to go from last year, June, so pretty much a year ago, um, to actually yesterday um, having a, one of our final meetings with the food bank to um, actually get our newest version implemented um, on their website starting in May. Wow. So, um, so yeah, how was that journey? So you guys were like, yeah, sure, we'll go ahead. And they right. clearly, you know, were impressed. Um, so it was it was uh, one filled with patience. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think part of it was that winning the competition was was definitely an amazing experience, and I was really humbled by it. Um, but that was just definitely the beginning. Um, it's very very easy to talk and make pretty PowerPoint decks, um, but it's another thing to actually want to go through and follow through. And a lot of that, what this competition allowed us to do was get us the foot in the door with the food banking sectors. Um, it was this win coupled with the fact that Elena had volunteered for the food bank before, um, we were able to use both of those for the food bank directors to trust us. Okay. Um, to begin having meetings with them. And in all honesty, the food bank is busy. They, they're serving 125,000 people a month. They moved about 20 million pounds of food um, in the past year. Um, and so if they don't want to meet with you, they won't meet with you. Yeah, it's not like they'll be sitting around quietly in a conference right. room somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. And our meetings ended up being, you know, one meeting, maybe one to two months, every one to two months. Um, and around... Um, about like fall of last year, Elena and I had a look at each other and say, do we still want to keep pursuing this? Um, because a lot of our initial meetings were just to listen to the food bank and just to confirm, is this actually something that will be useful? Mm -hmm. well, what are the things that you're looking for? And we got into this whole discussion um, with them that was really excited about, oh, we can do this data visualization. You know, we can show how we're all of your food is coming from and where it's being distributed to um, and all these kind of great, you know, big kind of like data ideas that are like modern. Yeah. But um, it really came down, at least in our experience, it really came down to answering the simple question of what do they actually need and what are they actually going to be able to maintain? Mm -hmm. That was much simpler than the kind of grand visions that we, we ended up wanting to have. Yeah. Um, and what we decided was that, um, I mean, neither of neither Elena or myself were coders, uh, but there are people who have done the work before. And so 
once we kind of established with the food bank that yes, they want a food pantry store locator tool on their website. Then we said, okay, it's not worth it for us to code it ourselves. Let's find the best, best thing that's already out there. Um, and so we did this shift about the beginning of this year um, of basically identifying, okay, what's actually out there? Where are the tools that we can use, you know, that are cost effective? Uh, and so we actually, we looked through different options and we found one called Maply. Um, it's a very straightforward store locator tool, very basic. Um, and we presented them this, that option and then another option called ArcGIS, which is used by uh, many experts um, for pretty fantastic detailed analysis. But when we presented them to the executives, they said, we're going to go with the Maply one because we just need simple. Um, the like receptionists, the people who actually talk with our customers, the people who need food, they're asking just the basic questions. They just want to be able to put in a zip code, search for the local food pantries, and that's it. Nothing too more fancy than that. Um, and so during, once we had that meeting back in January, um, the food bank provided us their latest information about, um, you know, the most up-to-date information about the food pantries. Um, and then we came up with the actual um, pilot, basically, um, using the Maply tool with their information. We created uh, an actual manual guide for them to be able to just give to any one of their employees to say, here's how you do it, um, so that we can empower them. Um, and then, yeah, we presented yesterday to them, and they said, yeah, that looks good. Um, we're going to send you the last bit of updated data, and then we want to get this on the site. Cool. So, yeah, from June of last year all the way to May of this year, basically. Um, even though, like, yeah, it seems like a very simple thing to do or to make, um, it was worth taking the time to be patient, building that trust, um, and making sure that they we were all on the same page about what's actually needed um, that will actually be helpful for people. Yeah, and so how does this change things for the food bank? Like, what were they doing before? And what do they expect, you know, to be the, the so after? Before they said, here's a spreadsheet, here's a PDF, have fun. <laughs> to uh, other employees? Like uh, not only to employees, but for like, if you were someone who was homeless and, or like, you know, in a situation where your family needed food and needed to figure out where to find it, you would have to yourself go through 300 rows of stuff oh, and try wow. to figure out, is this zip code? near me i don't find it i don't see anything in my zip code what's the nearest zip code um what are the hours that they have i don't know i gotta look it up again um so it, it would just made it a lot more tedious um for everyone involved um but the problem is because it's not just a sacramento food bank but a lot of other food banks nationwide this is the way it's been done for so long um, that people are used to it and one of the things that the food bank wants to do is try to break that sort of dependency and make it a lot more streamlined um, for folks to be able to easier, more easier pick up. Hey, here's what's near me. Um, let's go to that. Okay. And it sounds like, you know, even if somebody doesn't have access to a computer to do the search themselves, like the people that, you know, are answering the, the hotline or, you know, whatever, now they have a way to <laughs> yes. get yes. an answer. The, 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 it was reiterated multiple times that the receptionists are the ones who are probably going to be the happiest about Yeah. <laughs> Your job so much easier. Yeah. So that, okay, that's awesome. With the um, launch of this, you know, and you're like heading off to grad school, <laughs> as you said in your bio. Like, what is the ex expectation going forward? You know, 
it sounds like it's something simple enough um, for mm -hmm. them to maintain. Do you know like what their plans are to to be able to maintain? Yeah, so um, we've been working with basically their tech team um, to be able to walk them through how to use this. Um, I will actually be uh, <laughs> no longer in California very shortly, um, but we told them that we can provide remote assistance okay. as needed. But again, because we wanted to go for this the simplest tool, um, like as much as we could, we're saying we're hands off as much as possible. This is to empower um, your team. Yeah. Cool. And this was, you know, a year of volunteering, right? Like this was a volunteer effort for, yep. for your yep. labor of love. Um, Basically, yeah. Yeah. And so with, with uh, Code for SAC, like um, what are some of the other, you know, are you involved with other of their projects or was this kind of like your, where you uh, focused your volunteer hours with them? And, you know, what other kind of projects are going on? Yeah, so this is definitely where um, this particular project is where I my, myself and Elena focused on. But the other folks in Code for Sack are doing some pretty amazing things. Um, one of the big ones I know is called Sack SOS, um, and so what they're doing is creating a they've created a platform so that um, especially for um, those who are homeless, um, it's a very easy app um, for them to actually look up where the closest X service right. Um, where the closest shelter is, where the closest markets, where the closest, you name it, their tips and tricks. Um, that was actually something that I didn't realize um, that there are a lot of folks who are homeless but still have access to cell phones and are still able to access a lot of these um, tools. Um, so that's definitely been one of the big ones that they've, um, they've had. And it's also really exciting because the city of Sacramento has actually um, set aside money for these sorts of projects. Um, cool. There's a fellowship called the Rails, Rails Grant um, that's specifically meant to provide money to folks who are working on these sorts of projects. Cool. Uh, and Code for Sacramento has been fortunate to actually receive some of that money to be able to help be that um, base hub um, for different sorts of projects they want to go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, you know, before I let you go, <laughs> run off and leave my state, um, <laughs> were you provided with any kind of indication of like unmet um, demand. So, you know, now once people are able to quickly be matched up with the food bank, you know, what, um, if you if you remember, you know, what's kind of the expected metric of like, okay, are right. they gonna now run out of food? Or, you know, right, has right. there been a bunch of weight, you know, food that people didn't come get because they didn't know? So, so this is, uh, this is one of those, difficult questions to ask that shouldn't be difficult. Mm -hmm. um, mainly because I think what we realize is that a lot of this data isn't actually very well known by the food bank. Um, and especially, you know, uh, you know, I've had backgr backgrounds working in different startup cultures. Like this seems like a very, you know, metrics is everything, right? We should, mm -hmm. we should be able to tell like, you know, who we're reaching out to, where the source spots are. Um, but especially just with all the day-to-day -day operations um, and the different level of staff experience, it's not a question. It's like a question that they feel like it's nice to have. It would be awesome, but they don't necessarily have it right away. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like understanding that kind of difference in what's actually available or what the, that kind of climate is. Mm -hmm. um, that helped us basically understand why we have to kind of <laughs> draw back a little bit. Yeah. So I would, I would so I would love to be able to say, yeah, like we increased you know, participation by like X percent 
um, we reach these particular geographical areas by you know, Y. You know. And like the cool thing about Maply tool is that it'll actually show which zip codes, for example, um, are being hit the most. Okay, so cool. Map of that. Um, and there's also Google Analytics that's going in behind the scenes, so you can actually search those sorts of things too. Um, so they'll but, start to have some some type of yeah, we're trying to really like kind of push toward. <laughs> Um, but yeah. it's not in the, I mean, that was one of our first questions too, about yeah. like, how are we going to track any of these things or what are things that they're tracking right now? And, um, yeah, I, it's a direction that they want to move in because they definitely see the value in it. It's just, uh, this is why we should encourage people to work more with, uh, yeah, get out there. and provide, because if you have the knowledge and know-how, they would love it. Um, mm -hmm. we're absolutely thrilled that we were able to provide even just this amount of help for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so definitely for me, it's something where I'm just encouraged even more to say, yeah, I, I know I, I've had the opportunity to, to build skills in like analytics and those sorts of things. Like I need to be able to help out um, as long as they're willing to take my services. <laughs> right. Right. So, and like you said, you know, you have to build that trust and, yeah. you know, then you can actually be effective, which you clearly are. Thank you so much for um, talking with us and kind of sharing your experience. Good luck <laughs> with your move. <laughs> and um, yeah. Um, and we um, thank everybody for listening. And hey there, listener. Are you ready to make an impact in your community? Wherever you are on your civic hacker journey and whatever level of interest you have in civic tech, you will want to get your free access to a special video collection we put together themed around building a civic hacking community. Just go to civic-hackers.org slash free videos, all one word, free videos, to enter your email address and get the exclusive link. Once again, that's civic-hackers.org dot org slash free videos. Thanks again to Tim Yoon for sharing his experience with me for the summit and now with this broader audience on the podcast. At the time of the recording, he was about to head off to Duke University to join their MBA program. Now, he is a proud graduate, and California did not get him back. He's over in Boston, Massachusetts, still doing amazing things, working in the healthcare services and analytics space. If you want to see what Tim was showing me in the interview, you can head on over to our website, civic-hackers.org episode four, and that's the number four for the video clip and link to see what the working product looks like today. As is custom on this podcast, we're going to close out with some expressions of gratitude. I hope that no matter where you are or what's been going on, whatever hard things you've had to go through this year, that you're able to reflect on at least one person that you are thankful to have had in your life right now. I'm thankful for Tim and the millions of people who, like him, are able to stay committed to serving their community, even when the progress is slow or when the work doesn't look like what you thought it would or should look like. 
I'm thankful for those who can stay focused on their purpose and keep their interest in helping out in front as their North Star for listening and engaging for the long haul. And you there, listening to this, count yourself among the people that I am truly thankful for. I'm honored to have your support. I welcome your feedback since it helps me improve this podcast. So if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate and review the show and help other people discover this podcast. Don't forget to follow the Civic Hacker Network on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, and to subscribe to our email list for an invitation to join us on Slack. You can find all of the links on our website, civic-hackers.org. I'm Lori McNeil, wishing you all the good things between now and your next listen to the Civic Hacker podcast. Problems have solutions. Let's get to work. The Civic Hacker Podcast is a production of the Civic Hacker Network. The Civic Hacker Network is a networking and support hub for people using data and technology to create positive change in their communities. Join the network for free at civic-hackers.org.